The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily express those held by this station or its advertisers and are strictly the opinions held by those contributing to the show. Welcome to the Eric Little High School Football Podcast, your home for news, discussion, and opinions about high school football in the Mid-Ohio Valley. And now, here's your host, Eric Little. Hello once again and welcome to the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Again, I am the namesake. Thank you for joining us once again this week. We'll take a look at some of your impressions of last week and I'll share some of mine. Plus, Kerry Patrick of DepthChartWC.com joins to talk about some of the Wood County schools in action. And we'll share the results of this week's poll, get you the next week's poll, and we'll tell you which games we're looking at this week. Some of my thoughts on this week, a huge win for Parkersburg South. And that's a team that still has a strong chance at the playoffs. And I think they solidified that with a win against John Marshall on the road. They crushed John Marshall. This is a South team that looked as good as they've looked all season, as good as they looked in a few seasons in that dominating win against John Marshall. John Marshall had one halfway decent drive in the football game. That was it. South limited John Marshall on the ground, limited through the air. They were not able to run anything that they wanted to run. South scored on two of their first five offensive plays. They proved they can score on the ground. They've proven they can score through the air. Brett Hearn caught a touchdown pass, and he has just been a huge addition to that pass game. It's gone to another level with Hearn as a tight end in that South passing game and as a target for Braden Mooney. That's taken some attention off of Dylan Day and Day's gained some confidence in what he's been able to do. Brandon Penn and Devin Gaines are nice secondary threats as well and we can't say enough about the work of Braden Mooney and Nick Yoho. And honestly, South looked as confident as I've seen them look in a long time. They're now healthy. They're now strong going into their bye week this week and you know, when you got Mooney and Yoho playing as well as they are, they're clicking on both sides of the ball. The line is playing great on both sides of the ball. This is a team that feels like they can beat anybody and if you look at the back half of their schedule, they have a strong chance of the playoffs at 3-2 and two right now. They've got games against Brooklyn, Greenbrier, East Ahead. You hate to chalk those up in the win column, but looking ahead, those teams have struggled this year. So you give them those two wins, and then the other three, PHS, Wheeling Park, and Morgantown, not in that order. They're firmly toss-up games. South does have as good a shot as anybody to win in those games. Morgantown comes in October 12th. We'll see Wheeling Park and Parkersburg this week to play the Big Reds. More on that in just a little bit. For Parkersburg South, things are looking good to make their first trip to the playoffs since 2015. PHS, as we said, got past Marietta, the Big Reds needed a W, and they got that. Marietta's now lost three straight, unfortunately, so their season uh, not going the way that they would like to go, not going the way that they expected it to go. But for the Big Reds, they pull away from the Tigers, and they come away with a win. Final score there, 41-28. But a tough test at home this week as Parkersburg High now has Wheeling Park coming in, so things don't get a lot easier for the Big Reds. Parkersburg Catholic still at 5-0 and and still rolling after they got a big win, 44-7 over Gilmer County. Catholic hosts Val. Valley this week. They're 5-0, Catholic is, and Valley's 1-3, and and they got a big one next week against Calhoun, a team that struggled, but big because that'll be actually on their school property off of Fairview Avenue. We'll have much, much more on that one next week. Williamstown looks strong with a 66-point effort in their win against Buffalo 66-13. St. Mary's into the win column with a 42-24 win over Calhoun County, and the defense made that game a little closer than St. Mary's would like to have had it against Calhoun County. A team has really struggled this year, but it's a win for St. Mary's. That's badly needed as they go into Williamstown this week as uh, St. Mary's faces Williamstown in the renewal of a long-running rivalry. Not surprised to see Richie take the lumps as Doddridge County came in and handed the Rebels a 41-12 loss. That's a really good Doddridge County team and Hunter America maybe the best back in the region, if not all of the state this year. More numbers for Doddridge's Hunter America. 28 carries, 372 yards on the ground for Hunter America with five touchdown runs, three of those on runs longer than 40 yards. 
yards. Again, America with 372 yards on the ground as a team. Doddridge had 407. So a big chunk of their offense comes from Hunter America and a big win for Doddridge County over Ritchie County. The Rebels have an intriguing matchup this week that we'll get to in just a little bit. Tyler consolidated at 2-2. Two two. They picked up a 63-6 win over Wark County. Tyler back in the win column after two losses to start the season. They get healthy against the likes of Calhoun County and Wark County. They're back at 500, and they'll host Webster County on Friday. Magnolia gets the win over Frontier. They're now 3-2 halfway home. The win against Frontier. They'll play Monroe Central this week. They've got a ways to go before their bye week. That bye week finally hits in Week 10 before a Week 11 matchup with Wheeling Central. Now for some of your impressions on last week's action. One of the things I asked on Facebook was, what were your impressions of this past weekend's high school football action? Brian Darty comes to us from the southern part of the state, or comes to us talking about the southern part of the state. Summers County winning in Charmco, that's Greenbrier West, for the first time in 34 years, was a huge boost to the communities in Summers County. He says despite losing his first three games, the last two losses coming in disappointing fashion versus Shady Spring and Mount View. A big win over Greenbrier East really changes the outlook of the year for the Bobcats, and that can turn things around You get that big win. Steve Parlett says, Paul Polar Bears, Fairmont Senior picked up a huge, huge win over University. A double-A team stepped up to knock off a triple-A team that a lot of people coming into the year thought were pretty good, and they've struggled so far. So Fairmont State with a big win. Rob Frazier says, I'm very impressed by the current leader in the rankings of the single-A group this year. I believe he's talking about Mountain View when he posted this. Uh, Mountain View out of the southern part of the state, they're actually featured on Anthony Bourdain's Parts Unknown when the late, great Anthony Bourdain visited West Virginia. Uh, Parkersburg Catholic is still an amazing turnaround, Rob says, and I agree with that. We'll have much more on Parkersburg Catholic next week as they're about to host a big game against Calhoun County. Big because of where it is, as I said. And Tyler Consolidated had a big game in some statistical categories. So, again, those are the teams you guys are looking at. Again, the Facebook page is the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. There's a poll question there every week. And we'd like to hear your feedback. We'll do a better job to ask you for that and feature that more in future weeks. This week's poll question asked you, is the West Virginia high school football playoff field the right size or should it change and why? We got 36 votes on this week's poll. 75% leave it where it is. 25% of you say it needs to change. And I'll be honest, I don't think it's going to change. And it has nothing to do with competitive balance and it has everything to do with money. Because in the playoffs, the money all goes to the SSAC. The school gets their share of it, but the SSAC stands to profit from the postseason. So if anything, it's not getting smaller. I can guarantee you that. But Here's an idea that I've not heard kicked around, and it really would have minimal impact. What about a play-in game for the 16th spot? You take the two teams that are the closest to 16th, maybe the last two teams, the first 15 clinch, and then 16 and 17 play a one-game playoff, and that team advances to face number one the following week. I think that would be kind of a fun idea. Again, you don't need to increase the postseason field, that's for sure. If anything, it needs to shrink in Class AAA because you've got 16 teams going for 29 spots. Last year, there were two four and six teams in and it's possible that with four or five wins, you can get in in Class AAA. Five and five teams have gotten in in Class A in recent years, too, and that's a watered-down group in Class A as well because, let's face it, a lot of those schools just aren't competitive and haven't been able to be competitive enough to even consider the playoffs in the last several years. But like I said, if anything, I think a play-in game for number 16 would be fun. Put something on the line, and you'll have that 16 team that would otherwise never get a chance to host a playoff game. They would get to host one, they get a gate in. You know, there's more of that precious resource around, more of that money around. So if nothing else, you have that in all three classes. Then there's three games in the state. So it's not like you have a total wash. You can focus all your attention on those three games, and then you move on and have the postseason. Teams could start scheduling bye weeks off of week 11 for that reason, because if you expect to be good enough to get in and not get in the 16th seed, there's an extra bye week. So it's an extra week of rest.
best for some teams. So that could be a big help for some of those higher seeds. So I think there's some interesting things to consider there. Some teams don't want the week of rest. Some teams like it that bye week in week seven or eight so that they can come back in week eight or nine and have a couple regular season games to get geared up and get back in the routine and then take on the playoffs almost as the back half of a second half of the season. I think if it changes, it's not going to shrink. I, I'm pretty confident in that because you would be losing revenue somewhere, and almost no entity ever is losing revenue or is going to make a move that would lose them revenue uh, unless safety is the byproduct, and I don't think safety is going to spring from that necessarily. But like I said, it, it's only going to grow, unfortunately, or fortunately. The, the good news is if it were to grow, that would mean more people would be part of the playoff field and more people would uh, get to have that joy of hosting or playing in a playoff game. But like I said, that's my suggestion is maybe do a play-in for number 16. I think that would be kind of neat, and it would add an extra bye week for the top 15 teams. I had one comment on the post this week, and that's from our friend Joe Linville, the co-host of Basketball Friday Night in West Virginia and the voice of the Scott Skyhawks. He says, AAA needs fewer teams, and Butch Mounts, out of the Charleston area, replies with, you would have to cut it to eight or give teams buys. If they were to make cuts, it would be 12. That's how you'd go with that and give the top four teams buys and then do it like that. But I agree, Joe, that it's a little screwy that... You've got 16 spots for 29 teams in that class. That almost sounds like the NBA or the NHL where half the league makes it into the postseason. But a lot of times, those teams in the bottom seeds have shown improvement over the course of the season, and they bounce back from a rough start. So this maybe gives some incentive to teams that start 0-3, that maybe if they can take six of the last seven games and get 6-4, and four, that they have a fighting chance to get into the postseason. And once you get in, you can conceivably do anything you want. So thank you for the feedback, Joe and Butch. Again, we'll have this week's poll question later in the program. Stay connected with us on Facebook. Like our page, the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. While you're there, answer our weekly poll question and feel free to share your comments or questions. Eric will get to those on a future edition of the show. Eric Little joined by Carrie Patrick of DepthChartWC.com. Carrie, welcome back to the Eric Little Podcast. <laughs> You've now got a title. I'm impressed. What's the Eric Little High School Football Podcast? Oh, that's a mouthful. It is, isn't it? <laughs> we got to shorten it. We'll, we'll, we'll work on that. Uh, I guess the thinking was I wanted to make it sound kind of official and classy like the Richard Deitch podcast does. Do you have a copyright on this? I do not. Uh, I need we'll to. We'll get you one. I need to, yeah. <laughs> we'll get- that's kind of where I was going with that. And, you know, now I guess it just seems like I'm that vain and need my name on something <laughs> you know, because I'm not rich and can't afford a building on a college campus. So, Well, when you it. introduced me, I mean, that's a mouthful too. So uh, Depth I- chart wc.com i appreciate it i don't think depth chart wc.com is a mouthful i think it's just that the <laughs> and then something else after that so that's where it, it comes in but that's now, okay. I, now i'm gonna lose sleep at night but i don't yeah. mi- i don't mind saying depth chart wc.com several times because the more we say depth chart wc.com the more we get awareness for i appreciate it the aforementioned depth chart and, and, and it has helped and i appreciate all you, what you guys have done <laughs> always glad to drive more traffic to carrie's website see we can do this stuff on a podcast we're having some fun <laughs> It doesn't roll off my tongue. I bumble sometimes, you know, telling people what it is. And the nice thing is people are aware out out there. It's not like when I walk up to a kid. Did I mention depthchartwc.com? Yeah. They're not frightened. (laughs) Run away. That's good. That's a good step. Yeah. See, this is the stuff we don't have time to talk about on the radio. There you go. We should do this every week. I want to talk to you about Parkersburg South because we didn't talk about them when we taped the radio show this week for a couple reasons, largely being time because we don't have a lot of time on Countdown to Kickoff this week. But I want to get them out there on this forum. They're 3-2. and two. 
Uh, they got a bye week this week. They've won back-to-back games after defeating Princeton and then John Marshall. Princeton has really struggled this year. That win, albeit a shutout, not as impressive as the win against John Marshall. South was impressive in all phases of the game, and it was a total beatdown, 35-7 over John Marshall. I was telling you, that's a South defense that's now allowed just seven points in the last eight quarters of football, but the offense is clicking all over the place as well. You know, I was at another ball game that night. I saw Roger Thompson, the South Athletic Director, send out a post saying South 21, John Marshall 7 at halftime. I had to double take, do a yeah. double take because I covered John Marshall's playoff game against uh, Parkersburg High School last year in the first round, and this must be a different John Marshall team. I think their pride is a little wounded at the very least. They might not be dealing with some injury issues as well, but their pride's a little wounded after their loss to Bel Air a week ago Saturday, and they showed it because they had just one sustained drive. Parkersburg South took away the edges, took away the middle. It looked like the Radio City Rockettes, one, two, three, kick every time they went on offense. <laughs> well, you mentioned how last week how Coach Eddie for South is, you know, defensive-minded, as you mentioned as well, seven points in the past two games. And we talked about that on the program, but we didn't talk about specifically what they wanted to do. Eddie told me that the Patriots wanted to add a defensive lineman. They want to play more guys closer to the line of scrimmage. When you just put manpower up there, as long as those guys do what they're supposed to do, stay in their assigned spots and make tackles, that's a big help. You had mentioned to me after the uh, show last week that, you know, that was something that Eddie was going to try, was yeah. bring him in. And, and then we got to talking, and you say it really didn't look different. Not a lot. You know, not with the defensive lineman, at least. But I think they'll walk the linebackers a little close to the line of scrimmage and maybe snuck a defensive back or two every so often. Coach Eddie had mentioned how he liked his defensive backs coming into the year because he had a multitude to choose from. Yeah. Well, it sounds like that defensive line is an eye-opener, I guess. Yeah. For it's an area of strength for him right, right. now. And they've got, they're very comfortable with a lot of the players. They have a nice wealth of resources on that line. So that's been an area of strength for them and a source of strength. And though he doesn't have the numbers, to be honest, he's got numbers like what he's had the last several years, which aren't the best. Though he doesn't have numbers that are among the highest in the state, he loves the depth and the talent that he's got every position. This may be the most talented team he's had at and, South. And that was kind of unanimous amongst the captains when speaking to them preseason. They knew their numbers were down, but the guys we got here, they want to be here. And the talent level, I guess, didn't drop off. Just no. because the numbers fell, Right. The, the talent level did not fall. So they were confident that they weren't going to fall through in that area. Well, you and I were talking about Braden Mooney off the air. He was five of his first five throwing the football. He connected with Brett Hearn on a touchdown. South scored on two of the first five offensive plays, by the way, and they hit on three plays, three touchdown plays of more than 50 yards. An impressive feat for a team that wasn't necessarily known for being an explosive team or a home run hitting kind of team. Mooney also connected on a 68-yarder, I want to say, with Dylan Day. He's looking more confident in the past game. And you mentioned this on Countdown last week, just how heady of a young man he is. Braden, his decision-making, he plays both offense and defense. Hopefully he's getting enough rest on the sideline to, you know, play four quarters at both. Like I said, his decision-making is what has impressed the coaching staff because we alluded to it at the beginning of the year. He was kind of thrown into the fire last year at quarterback, and now he's got five weeks plus last year's 10. That's 15 games under his belt. When you got Nick Yoho behind you as a safety valve, that doesn't hurt. Yoho's played well, and I've told you about the importance of Brett Hearn at tight end in the run game and the pass game. This is a team that's clicking on all cylinders. You look at the back half of that schedule, they got Brooke coming up next week. That's a winnable game because Brooke has struggled. Greenbrier East is later on the schedule. That's a winnable game. They have struggled. And then look at those three toss-ups. This is a team that could have five wins, you know, aside from those three toss-ups. Morgantown, Wheeling Park, PHS. At 5-5, five and five, they may get in with wins over Ripley because that's going to be a quality win. Well, Ripley's r- ran off four straight wins since... Right. 
opening week. And they got Brooke this week, so there's a strong chance they could win that one. You look at John Marshall, they're not a bad team. I wasn't terribly impressed with what I saw on Friday, but they'll win some more games. So that's going to be a quality win as the season winds on. And a 5-5 five and five team with those two wins, they stand a decent shot to get in, but... You don't want to be that 16th, 15th, 14th seed. You don't want to take that trip to Martinsburg or to Lately Field and play Capital. Capital, yeah, yeah, yeah. those places, yeah. So, if you get one of those three with Morgantown, Wheeling Park, and PHS... You might even get a host. I doubt it, but maybe... Maybe you need to take two out of three. If you take two out of three, yeah, I think you would host. If you take two out of three of those so-called toss-up games, ones I'm calling toss-up games, and that would put you at seven and three, then I think seven and three with the kind of wins you're going to have would would get you hosting. But still, they're in the driver's seat. Right. And and you've got, what, two home games in a row following this bye week. An extremely long trip. Then you go to your longest trip of the year, Greenbrier East. But you play Wheeling Park at home. Wheeling Park's got to come here. You know, still it's a 100-yard field. Everybody plays on one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least you got a chance. And that's a team that's used to playing on the artificial stuff, and this is where your natural grass might be a factor and might might come in and, and help you out. I don't want to look too far ahead, but you're at PHS, your final game. They're kind of searching for their, their own identity. They're two and three. Who's not to say they could run off a couple wins here? I think they will. I think that Week 11 game is going to be extremely relevant and meaningful for both of those teams. This may be one of the more interesting PHS South games in a while. I think it's going to be nice to see playoff intrigue on the line with the fans on the same side as each other yeah they better have a divider yep maybe trump can build a wall maybe (laughs) you know who's gonna pay for it (laughs) you got people on both sides there you go is he gonna build a wall halfway down the stadium field bleachers and (laughs) mcbelpry pay for it there you go i mean i know there are fans that are solely south oriented or phs oriented but there are also combinations families of combinations of south and phs Right, and I'm sure this is a topic we're going to get into a lot more closer to Week 11, but this rivalry, more than most in this state and in this area, is a lot more complicated than it might seem on the surface. As long as it plays out the way it looks uh, with the next four weeks. As long as it plays out the way it looks, I think it's it's going to have meaning attached Mm -hmm. with the playoffs and playoff relevance, so it should be a fun one. But uh, again, before we get too carried (laughs) away, I want to ask you the poll question that was on our uh, show this week. Uh, This week's poll on the podcast is the playoff field the right size? Is the playoff field the right size? Yes or no? Can I say yes and double A and A? But you can say you can say yes, but that's fine. Yeah, that's yeah, fine. yes and double A and A. But I'm looking at the percentage of teams that get in from class triple A. I feel it's a little watered down. I mean, yeah. if you look around, the comparison like, I've made is the NHL and the NBA. Both of those leagues are still where half the league gets in. I, I'm, and I'm the traditional, traditionalist. With remember when baseball was eight teams in each league and only one team made it. Even in the 70s or 80s, when you're a division winner out of the two divisions, that's it. Well, then you're not going to like my proposal. Uh Uh-oh, here we go. I'm with you. I think the ratio in AAA is a little skewed. Yeah, it is. We get 16 teams that do qualify and 13 that don't. That's going to allow those 16 to have an extra week of practice. The rich are going to get richer, and so on and so forth. Unless you have a crop of kids that are overwhelmingly good and that turn you from a losing team to a winning team. And we might see that on the south side, where this group of kids are are playing together and they've gelled. And we'll see what happens there. Let me just add this. Are you from the Nobody Left Behind era? I mean, I went to school during the No Child Left Behind era. (laughs) Yeah. No, no, that's not what I'm going for. I know. That's not what I'm going for. It's not going to shrink. No. Because, let's be honest, if it does, then revenues are not being made that would otherwise be made. Let's twist it the other way. All the other sports, everybody gets in. Yeah. I wouldn't do that. 
Because that would take... For, just food for thought. That would take forever to play, though. <laughs> that would take forever. Yeah. You'd have to have two or three bye weeks full 100 in Peyton City knock each other out, and <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's quite all right. But here is my proposal. My proposal does add a week to the schedule. I would lock the first 15 teams in to each class, and then the next two make them do a one-game play-in for the 16th spot. Because that 16 team would have no other chance to host. You're getting a playoff game in a community that probably doesn't often host them. And there would just be three games in the state that week. You add an extra bye week so that these teams that are perennial favorites, you know, your Williamstowns, for instance, maybe don't schedule your bye week for week eight or nine if you can help it. Try to get that earlier in the season. And then you have the bye week in week 12 as well. You'd get a second bye week to heal up right before the playoffs, unless you're one of those teams in a play-in spot. And then that play-in game, again, there's one There's one every class. That puts 17 teams in it, essentially. And that creates excitement for a community that probably doesn't often see it. Do you remember when Williamstown played Wheeling Central in the state championship and it snowed? It's been a while. I don't remember that one. I had to drive home in that. Yeah. That's late. Oh, so I see what you're saying. You're saying that... I'm saying adding a week is... I mean, you're actually even with Ohio. You don't have to add it to the back end. Oh. You can slide things up. Well, you know what? Let me throw this at you. When I was at grade school, middle school, back in Illinois, they would end their regular season on Friday or Saturday, have round one on Tuesday, and then have round two on that upcoming Saturday. I have heard some states, yeah. they compress three or four rounds of the playoffs right, into about into a, a couple weeks. I don't think that's... That's too much for kids, I think. Yeah, yeah. I don't and, know how and, they did it. In I mean, a sport like football. Yeah. Everybody seems to have gone to the one game a week. You're going to get some sloppy, ragged football mm-hmm. if you do something like that. I wouldn't be a proponent of it unless you had to do it as an emergency. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's what I would do. I would do I would do 17 and have to play in games. That's that's the idea that I came up with that I would throw out there. Would you ever regionalize it? No, because again, this is the most fair system. You have the whole state competing against one another. You don't have this this deal of maybe the top 2 teams are 20 miles apart. We saw that in 2014. St. Mm-hmm. Mary's and, and Williamstown right. met on Wheeling Island because right. they were seated in a way where they were on separate brackets with a whole state weighed in in a sectional regional kind of format with football. You'd have those teams knocking each other out on Veterans Day and yeah. that's that's not how that should be. So then my argument is for the guys that play these other sports, the coaches, what whatnot, they're regionalized. Yeah. Volleyball, basketball. Yeah. Baseball. I mean, you know, I go on and on, but yeah. I'm just wondering why go one way for football and not the other way for the other sports or vice versa. Well, there are more basketball and volleyball and baseball playing schools. There are a lot of smaller schools that don't play football. If I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Yeah. And I'm that, just throwing food for thought for you. Yeah. Here. It's interesting stuff to think about. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I've heard it because the girls soccer, We, you know, I know you, right. you do South football. Well, their girls soccer team is number one in the state and they're in a region that includes Cabell Midland, Hurricane, teams that are in the top 10. Yeah. And a couple of teams are getting left behind. It happens, unfortunately. And my thinking is, well, it's in cycles. It, it'll all play out. Yeah. You know, you got to beat the best to get to beat the best, you yeah. know. I think the SSAC does their best at getting the best teams to the state tournaments or trying to give them the best opportunities yeah. to get there and, and be fair to as many teams as possible. And I like the Cinderella stories that come sure, along. Sure, sure. You know, a 9-12 and 12 team in the state tournament in Charleston that upsets somebody in the first round. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Those are, for the most part, pretty fun. Yeah. Well, Carrie, thank you for joining us here. Thank you for talking some South football and, and giving us some food for thought. And we'll talk to you again down the road. All right. Thanks, Eric. Let's take a look at our games of the week. 
week. This week, of course, just like anybody else in the area, we're paying attention to St. Mary's Williamstown. That one's on Light Rock 93R. It's also on WTAP as well. Live television broadcast of that game. We're also looking at Parkersburg High and Wheeling Park. Wheeling Park is unbeaten this year. They'll play Parkersburg South later this year. So they've got to come to Parkersburg twice because that's a home game for the Patriots. And it's also a home game for the Big Reds this week. But PHS at 2-3 and three badly needs to rack up wins somewhere. they got to start beating somebody if they want to get into the postseason. The margin of error is starting to shrink for Parkersburg High School. I know they've been injured, so they don't make excuses and they don't want to make excuses, but they certainly have as good of an excuse as anybody as to why they're 2-3 and three through the first five games of the season, but they've got to start beating somebody and get in the top 16 if they want to qualify. They're running out of time to do it. And how about Richie and Ravenswood? This may be a play-in game for the Class A playoffs, and I know it's early to use that phrase. That's a phrase that we throw around a lot around playoff time when you got a couple teams that are maybe like, say, 4-2 and two or 3-3 three and three going up against each other, but we're not too far off from that, actually. Richie's 3-2, and two, Ravenswood's 2-2. Two and two. Ravenswood has really been reeling the last couple weeks. They went 2-0, and oh, and then they had a bye week, and then they just got throttled by Williamstown, and then they didn't score a touchdown last week and lost to Sherman. So they're reeling. Richie faced Doddridge County. It was a blowout loss. It was their worst of the season. They didn't look bad, per se, in the loss, from what I read, but this is their worst loss of the year. We'll see how Rick Hott is a first-year head coach, and his players respond to that loss. So again, St. Mary's Williamstown, PHS Wheeling Park, and Richie Ravenswood, those are my picks for the games of the week. This week's poll is a pretty simple one. St. Mary's Williamstown, who you got? Pick one or the other. That poll only runs through Friday this week, by the way. We'll have the results for you as part of a recap of that game next week. And of course, if you don't know where to find the poll, you can find that on the Facebook page, the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Our games of the week this week, D96-9 has a bye week this week as Parkersburg South is off, so as of right now, I don't have a Friday game. I'm probably just going to take the night off Friday, to be honest with you. St. Mary's in Williamstown, though, on Light Rock 93R. Might listen to that coverage or watch it on TV. And on WXCR, it's Tyler Consolidated in Webster County. Don't forget, you can download our show every week on iTunes and SoundCloud. Listen to us there as well. And follow the Eric Little High School Football Podcast for the latest details. That's our time. I want to thank Carrie Patrick of DepthChartWC.com for joining us. And again, until next week, I'm Eric Little. Thank you for joining us and enjoy the games. This has been the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and vote in our weekly poll. Come back next week for another new episode. And thanks for listening.